0: Episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I'm Bob McDonald, and joining me, of course, is my co-host Matt Dudek.
1: Hey there, Bob.
0: Uh, Matt, of course, you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt. You can follow us on Twitter as well at Horizon RT. You can pull us up on the web at Horizon Roundtable.com, and be sure to follow us, uh, subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. Uh, and Matt. Um, you, did you notice the intro music is different?
1: I, I did notice a different intro music. What's up with that? What, what do we got going on here, Bob? We will
0: explain know. that in a moment. But before we do that, because we want to do a uh, big... Because, because this is our... Because as we've mentioned many, many times, this is uh, clearly our favorite... This is our new favorite episode every year. Um, where we get uh, everybody from... Uh, we get uh, play-by-play voices from the media on. So... Um,
1: you know why this is my favorite episode because essentially we introduce everybody we let them talk and we shut up it's the Absol- best
0: so yes absolutely so um let's get, let's just go ahead and get into it um so i'm just gonna go ahead and introduce everybody um in no particular order um uh, uh we'll start with a uh, brady labor from uh for northern kentucky always a pleasure
2: what's going on guys uh wow that's a lot of pressure to go first i don't know uh why you ran i guess because i called in first is that the only reason maybe i
0: should not i'm to, just doing the totally middle random. of the show like other folks are going to do yeah i'm doing it it's totally random sorry <laughs> that's okay um and then of course uh neil rule uh thank you sir for joining us
3: yeah absolutely guys glad to be here uh it's, it's uh it's a tradition of college basketball season
0: yes Absolutely. Um, and then joining us, uh, Dan Hasty, joining us this year.
4: Hello, everybody. There's like nine people on this call. So it's basically what? Fox College Football Saturday? Good to see everybody.
0: Something like that, yeah. Um,
4: Rough, then,
0: Dan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then there's Rob Schmidt. Rob, welcome.
5: Good, good afternoon, everybody. Appreciate this. You're, you're keeping me from having to go to an apple butter festival with my wife, so... This uh, is not only your favorite, but my favorite program.
0: <laughs>
5: Obviously, um, she doesn't listen? <laughs> no, she doesn't. She's uh, trying to find a new craft show to go to.
0: All right. There you go. Um, and then we got John Nolan. John, welcome, sir.
6: Bob, Nat, thanks so much for having me. Hello, everyone. All That's right. the John Nolan,
1: by the way. Like, the of, John Nolan. Of John well, Nolan's fame. Ex-
0: we will explain this in a second, uh, but I did want to mention joining us a little later on um, will be uh, uh, Greg Registra and, uh, and Chris Collins. But John, I know you noticed the introduction uh, intro, intro music this time around. Um, <laughs> this requires some explanation for those of you who do not, who not follow John Nolan on Twitter. And by the way, you all should for many, many different reasons. Uh, under, uh, John underscore G underscore Nolan at Twitter, uh, on Twitter. Um, but yeah, so, so John, um, go ahead and explain what happened to you in August.
6: Yeah, going back to, uh, to early August that I, by the way, I can't guarantee there's really much benefit of following me on Twitter. I guess you can get some pretty Fort Wayne, uh, basketball notes and whatnot, but, uh, yeah, just back in, uh, early August, besides calling games for the Mastodons, I also, do play-by-play play for uh, Padres high-A affiliate in the Midwest League, the Fort Wayne Tin Cap. So I guess I could be considered a baseball guy too. And uh, and we're actually recording this here, the uh, the weekend here of the, the Wild Card round, Major League Baseball playoffs. But you go back to early August and New York Mets closer Edwin Diaz was uh, sort of taken the baseball world by storm at that point, not only for his dominant performance on the mound, but uh, for the what became a fan favorite with his walkout music narco that you heard there by blaster jackson and timmy trumpet so coming up later this year new year's eve i'm set to be married to my wonderful fiance nicole and uh she is not necessarily a big baseball fan so kind of just as a joke i said to her hey we should use this song as our wedding walkout and she, you know rolled her eyes at me i said well what if i you know let's be silly i put this out on twitter i say if we get 30 3900 likes then you know this is going to be our song and of course, the Internet being the Internet, it did uh, did take off and far surpassed that within an hour. So now we have to wait and see, because actually the, the Mets are playing a do or die game against the Padres tonight. So we'll see. I, I, as popular as uh, as that is, I think it's still resting on, uh, you know,
0: Edwin's performance
6: here in uh, the prime time.
0: I keep calling. And by the way, I keep calling Timmy Trumpet, Tommy Trumpet. So that's how much I know it. About- and by Mr. the way, yeah. Trumpet to you. And and, congrats, and and congratulations, obviously, on your up uh, upcoming nuptials. And how salty was your fiance when you realized she completely lowballed the like number? <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, pull the curtain back. I think she might
6: have said thirty nine thousand, not thirty nine hundred, it, it might have gotten uh, lost in translation there. But uh, she's being a good sport about it, thankfully.
0: It's <laughs> probably did get thirty nine thousand likes after it's all said and done. geez. Um. Okay so I totally promised that we're actually going to talk bait, uh basketball since obviously we have I thought uh, we were
6: breaking down the
0: uh the Padres bullpen options too. Ah, uh, yeah um <laughs> Oh uh, yeah. So it's funny. It's funny. It's always a convergence and I'm actually going to open this up to all of you guys. Um, always a convergence. Cause you know, we do, uh, all of you do so many different, uh, things besides, uh, besides the horizon league. Um, John, you mentioned, uh, you, you mentioned the minor league baseball, Neil, I know you do. The, I know you do soccer, Dan, I, Dan, I know you also do, uh, uh, you're also in the, uh, you also do minor league baseball as well, but, um, When it comes to kind of that diversity in terms of your your range, if you will, uh, of covering of doing play by play for various different sports, what what does that help you? How does that help you when you get back into November and it's it's Horizon League basketball season? uh,
4: Well, I I guess I'll jump in with that. I mean, I think if anything, and I think a lot of the other guys would tell you this too, I I think it's just as important about connecting one season to another in in terms of having consistency. Um, You know, it's important to to not – go away for two three months not to I mean it, you know vacation season is great and everything but you know you try to mix that in alongside you know being able to to stay busy to, to stay involved so you know if, if you're doing this right you can find something that connects the baseball season to the off season and what, what gets you through or, or vice versa and you know I will say this you know I love baseball I love baseball but I like calling basketball more than calling baseball. I just, I enjoy the pace. I, I enjoy the atmosphere, uh, especially when you're, you know, comparing, you know, Division one college basketball to, say, you know, high A-level baseball. <laughs> it's uh, it's especially a non-conference season. And I know a lot of you guys get a chance to go see some really great places. But, yeah, I think just being able to find a way to, to bridge the gap between one, you know, off-season to another is vital.
3: Hey guys, uh, it's Neil. So yeah, I, I just kind of piggyback a little bit on what Dan said there. Uh, I just find it useful because I do obviously I do the soccer and, and the college basketball and uh, lots of talk show work too. I just I just like staying in the rhythm, you know, if, if anything else. And the, the sports out the sports, I kind of I'm I'm a little bit different. I prepare for all the different games I do in all the different sports in the same way, like as far as charts and stuff like that, uh, which come to find out, I guess, is a little bit different, but that's the way I kind of came up doing it. So for me, it's just uh, it's just kind of staying in the flow. Um, you baseball guys, you guys are all animals, man, like for real. They, you don't get a day off for like a month at a time. Like You guys are you guys are absolute animals. So I, I, I mean, I enjoy doing basketball because a, you get like a day off after a game for the most part. So that's pretty cool. But um, yeah, I just, I just like to stay in the flow, man. Like that's, that's it. Just the producer in your ear, um, you know, the, the, the pressure, the cameras, if we're doing the TV, all that kind of stuff. I just, I love that. I feel sad for people that go to a job, And they go and they sit down and they do the, they do kind of the same thing every single day. They'll never, they'll never get that rush of a producer counting you down in your ear about when you're ready to go live. I mean, it is, it's, I kind of equate it like this, like it's gotta be. You know, I, it, it's got to be the most addicting thing in the world, like drugs included. I'm a man. I'm imagining because it it is the absolute best feeling. It's the highest high, and uh, that's that that's what I enjoy about it. So it's just more opportunity to do that.
0: Anybody else want to weigh in?
6: Yeah, I'll just liken that to, uh, you know, at this point, college basketball is pretty much a 12 month uh, commitment for players with the way that the NCAA has tweaked the rules in the last decade or so where yeah, guys are allowed to be uh, in the gym on campus, you know, nearly year round with coaches almost. So kind of same for us as broadcasters, just trying to stay as sharp as possible and, you know, continue working at the craft uh, year round.
1: So my question is kind of a follow up to that. Then for for any of you that want to chime in, is how much are you able to kind of stay in contact with your programs? Like how 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 in the loop are you at this point? Are you coming out of your other, you know your baseball season or whatever? Or are you kind of trying to play catch up? Like where where are you all at in your your prep getting into this season?
4: I'll say this. I think one of the things that I think is important, and it depends on at what capacity you. Serve the particular university, but for example, you know, I'm I'm seasonal, so I don't really do much with Detroit Mercy outside of college basketball season. So if anything, I think it's important to try and stay in touch with perhaps a coach or two throughout the off season. I don't think there's a lot that's really required above and beyond that. Uh, I, I think it's just good that they. They hear from you they know you're interested they know you're involved and that way if nothing else you know you just remind them that you're you're part of feller nation you're one of the guys so i think it's important to to at least be visible in that way but you know for, for me personally i live on the other side of the state of michigan so the abilities to get to practices are few and far between so I don't really get that opportunity very often, so you know I don't think they really need a whole lot from from me personally. But you know, if if they do, they always know that I'm a phone call away. And then once the season gets underway,
3: it's kind of like we never left. We just kind of jump right back in. Yeah, no, I would I would say Dan, just just to again kind of jump on the back of that. I would imagine that it, it kind of as my, my career's grown too. It becomes so sectional during during the time of the year where there are a lot of fans that are more into. Because I'm not, I'm I'm, maybe I'm one of the few honest ones about this. I don't really follow recruiting because it doesn't matter to me until they're here. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like with you know who Oakland's recruiting and stuff like that, it doesn't make a difference to me until until they're on campus, they're on the team, and they're going to play this year. So then that's when I choose to do the deep dive and everything like that. I I'm, I'm like you, Dan. I mean, I don't really, I'll play, I'll go play golf with campy a couple of times and we'll play poker a, a couple of times throughout the summer and stuff like that with some of the other media people and all those kinds of folks. But very rarely it, do I ever ask him about what's going on or how, thing, you know, if there's a, if there's a, a prominent question or, you know, like when Jamal Cain got signed with the Heat and stuff like that. We'll talk about it for a few minutes, but it, I'm, I'm very similar to you, Dan. I mean, when it's not college basketball season, uh, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of paid to know about other stuff at that time. So I know about other stuff, kind of like you guys with the baseball and stuff like that. So, you know, the, it just keep the the wheels just keep on turning, man. And then, you know, as, as we get going now, now we kind of fire up the engines and, and get in there. You know what's
4: funny is that, and I think any baseball guy or probably any sport, I think when you're in terms of broadcasting, you are very much – it's very much like flipping a switch. It's a light switch. It's either off or it's on. And you know, ba- baseball season always tends to sneak up on you in the sense of you look around and you're like, oh, there's two weeks to opening day. <laughs> and it, it's only because it's a very much on or off situation. Once you're in baseball mode, then it's all of a sudden like you're doing everything. But it feels like whether it's basketball, whether it's baseball, whether it's any sport, you go from doing absolutely nothing to doing absolutely everything.
5: You know, I'm a little more fortunate here at Youngstown State because I work for the university's athletic department. So, um, you know, I'm in athletic marketing and licensing and, and tickets. So I'm on campus, you know, every day. Um, so I have an opportunity to go over and see our coaching staff during the season, during the off season. Um, you know, as as was mentioned before, you know, it, it's become a year-round thing where the kids are pretty much on campus even during the summer. Um you know, we had a football game yesterday against North Dakota and had a chance to you know talk to a few of the players who were doing our giveaway items. Um so I, I'm able to stay in touch with them because you know i'm I'm just I, I work in the the stadium for football, but you know Beakley Center a a short walk down stadium drive. So I'm over there watching practice every so often. Um, and I'll probably end up going to their scrimmage um, you know a couple of weeks when they when they scrimmage Indiana State and um, you know travel with the team there. so I, I'm a little more fortunate in that. You know, I'm I'm kind of around them all the time because I work on campus in the
2: athletic department. Yeah, I just wanted to you know talk about what Dan and Neil said, and, and you know, and this is Brady from Northern Kentucky. Uh, since it's been a while since I chimed in, but you know, I'm glad you guys kind of admitted that it is a seasonal job for you guys, and you don't always have year-round contact because I think. The impression everybody gets when they say, oh, you're the play by play guy. You're obviously dialed in year round. You know, what's what about this? What about that? And the reality of the situation is most universities don't reach out to you until they need you. Or at least the one I work for, you know, and and Northern Kentucky is not the only college I work for. There's another college right here in my neighborhood, uh Thomas Moore University. And they're, you know, a long time D three that that transitioned into NAIA and now they're gonna go into Division Two. And I have much more contact with them than I do with Northern Kentucky. And it's just simply because, you know once you get to the division one, it's a machine, man. And, and sometimes they don't need you on a daily basis unless, you know, like Rob said, you work for the university and you're there on campus, you know, sometimes in, in years past and it's better now, but I would find out two weeks before, you know, the tip-off for the first game. Hey, Brady, are you available? You want to be our play-by-play guy? And, you know, that's kind of, you know, this is my 13th season, and I thought I would be more dialed in. But, you know, I've been just busy doing other stuff. And, you know, so – and to me, it's like file cabinets. You know, when it comes to college basketball, i got to break out the college basketball, you know, file cabinet. Because right now, I'm eyeball deep in high school football and college football. And so when, when people think that you're an insider, you know, unless it's in-season – that's a lot of times not the case you know even though you do try to get to a practice or two before you know the first exhibition game the reality of the situation is is uh you might have to just use contacts to uh kind of feel you through it yeah and i'll just uh just add yeah definitely
6: you know more casual following of uh of the program i'm fortunate with purdue fort wayne that there's been so much continuity with the staff and you know a storyline for uh, the Mastodons this year is that John Kaufman coming off of being the uh, Horizon League Men's Basketball Coach of the Year. He's now uh, locked in thanks to a contract extension through 2030. And for that matter, the assistants have all been in place now for at least four years. I mean, in some cases longer. So definitely friendly uh, with the staff and keep in touch. And sometimes actually they'll come out to uh, to baseball games in downtown Fort Wayne and uh, keep in tabs that regard. Also, you know, the local media in Fort Wayne really does an outstanding job of covering Purdue Fort Wayne. So I will just tune in. I don't have to be the one asking questions, but tune in when Coach Kaufman or some of the players are being interviewed on local radio or local TV. So definitely uh, keeping, you know, keeping abreast of the program in that regard. I'll say, you know, this call really actually is kind of like a turn on the switch. All right, let me pay attention more now to the other teams around the league. Thanks to uh, you guys at the Horizon Roundtable. I'm usually making sure to keep up with your feed on Twitter and seeing what kind of major headlines are coming out from other programs. But, you know, right now, if you ask me to to get to do my vote for, you know, preseason picks and stuff, I'm not prepared. But, you know, hopefully uh, after uh, this call and then some research uh, in the weeks to come, then uh, we're ready for tip.
0: Well, wow, Matt, we were going to actually ask everybody to vote for because we got preview week coming week. We were actually going to ask everybody to vote this year, but <laughs> <laughs> probably could
1: we did I think what we just learned is these are the best guys to talk to. But we don't even need to talk Horizon League basketball. Like, let's just talk about like... Maybe, no, I'm just kidding. I, I love, I love all those answers honestly because that's exactly what I would expect. Like, yeah. you all, you all are professionals, and we get to hear your professionalism in Horizon League, which is great. But. But to kind of hear that that context of you know what that looks like for you all outside of the scope of, of this league is really nice. I, 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 me and Bob were just talking like man, love this episode. I, I love hearing the, this side of it from y'all.
0: Absolutely, loving it. Um, and I'm glad you, John. John, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the the John Kaufman uh, contract extension. I want to segue right into Purdue Fort Wayne itself. I mean, this is. Uh, this is a team that, in year two of the Horizon League, uh, co-share uh, co-share of the uh, regular season championship last season. Got all your guys, uh, all your major guys coming back with the exception of Jalen Pipkins, obviously uh, coming back for their extra year. Um, is it a matter? I mean. A- Given kind of what, and we'll talk a little bit about this later about you know some of the additional competition uh, within probably around the five top five or six teams. Um, how tough is it going to be? How good? How much of an advantage is it to have a have that core back for for Purdue Fort Wayne that won so many games last season, coming back to essentially defend uh, that regular season crown this year
6: yeah you know needless to say, it's just becoming exceedingly rare uh in college sports men's basketball specifically to have continuity so for eight of the top nine guys and the rotation to be back to have the entire coaching staff back, you know that in itself I think puts you ahead of the curve a bit and then you add in that it's you know not just eight of nine coming back from a team that was in the bottom tier of the conference but you know eight of nine coming back from a team that Last year was able to uh, to get a share of the regular season title. On top of that, between um, a couple of freshmen and a transfer, I think one thing that Coach Kaufman has said coming into this season that'll be a new challenge for them, but really a welcomed one, is that you know, he's going to have some tougher decisions to make when it comes to his rotation um, and just balancing the depth. But again, obviously, that's a, a good problem to have, and – I think this is a group that definitely you know, has its eyes set, not just uh, on the regular season, but frankly, for Purdue-Fort Wayne, now a Division One program for about 20 years, the one box that's left to check for them is making it to the NCAA tournament. They've won regular season titles back in the Summit League. They made it to a, a conference championship game. They've upset ranked opponents like IU um, a couple of times, but they haven't been in the big dance yet. So. Right now, thanks to the fact that not only do they have everybody back, but in some cases it's guys like Jared Godfrey who is taking advantage of that bonus year because of COVID. So his fifth go around um, as well as some others. So I don't want to say it's now or never, but this is definitely the year to take that next step forward for the Dons.
0: Speaking of contract extensions, if I understand correctly, Rob, uh, Jared Calhoun also got a contract extension this year. And has people uh, and has most of his core coming back and brought in a bunch of new faces, uh, except for maybe in the case of Adrian Nelson, who everybody knows here, I think, um, coming in to play for Youngstown State. So um, when you look at the kind of the makeup of Youngstown State um, with that core, including Garrett Covington, who we didn't see all last year, and he is coming back next year, too, uh, this year, too. what do you think is going to be uh, Jared Calhoun's biggest challenge in terms of kind of getting the the new guys in and getting them on the same page as as the Vets?
5: Well, I think, you know, the, the thing that they finally have, and, and this is Jared's sixth year in the extension, I think, if I'm not mistaken, is good through 2026. So, yeah. um, you know, the continuity is there, but the depth is there. You know, I, I think people that watched us last year, you know, win 19 games in the league, you know, our school record 12 Horizon League wins. Um, you know, I think we were solid through the first six, seven, um, now, um, the depth is there. So I think they're, they have, a, a lot of ability now to, to run different rotations at you. Um, you know, our guys did a, a great job and it's been pretty well documented. You know, in my mind, they hit a home run in the portal. Um, obviously Adrian Nelson's is one of the crown jewels that they, they were able to pluck, uh, from Northern Kentucky in the portal, along with Malik Green from Canisius uh, Bryce McBride from Eastern Michigan and um, Brandon Rush from from Fairleigh Dickinson. So, uh, you know, I think I think all four of those guys could be or will be in the starting lineup. Um, you know, I, I think you might probably end up seeing three of those guys in the starting lineup because you had mentioned Garrett's back, and you know, it's invaluable in in, the, in today's game, at least for right now in the short term because of COVID you know, you've got a kid now that's got six years under or going into his sixth year. So um, he knows the game. He knows the league. He was a smart player when he was healthy. Um, He runs the baseline like nobody else. And, you know, this team, and I've had some people, you know, mention to me that this team's a lot more athletic than they've seen in the past. Um, We have legitimate size in in addition to that. Um, but, But I think depth will be the biggest factor. And I think for the most part, Dwayne Cohill now, I think has has a really strong supporting cast, and, you know, he's a kid that can at any time, you know, go for 25, but he doesn't have to go for 25 now. So I, I think, you know, when you start looking at, at what we bring this year, you know, there's some, now I think you're able to pencil in some numbers. You know, there's not as much uh, of a wild card where, you know, this guy could go for 20 or he might only go for eight. I think now there's a little bit more stability, um, but I, I, you know, defensively, I, I think we'll we'll make some strides defensively, just because we have a little more size and a couple of rim protectors now. Um, I think rebounding will be one of our strong suits, and I, I think we'll shoot it better from the outside. So um, this, to me, and I've told a lot of people this on paper, and again, you never win anything on paper, um, much like these preseason polls, uh, but this is probably the best roster I've seen on paper in my 21 years, and that includes, and it and, and might be a, a close, maybe 1A, 1B, with our team back in 2013 that boasted of a couple of eventual professionals led by Kendrick Perry. So um, there's a lot of excitement. Even during football season right now, there's still a lot of excitement for men's basketball.
0: And um, I'm glad you mentioned, uh, so Brady, um, when we talk about, uh, obviously, Adrian Nelson has moved over to Youngstown State, but. You have Chris Brandon in the middle, but you also have the last two freshmen of the year, uh, play, uh, returning along with Trey Robinson and the return of Treyvon uh, Trey Faulkner. When you look at that lineup, where where do you see the challenges potentially um, with that lineup? I mean, because especially this lineup that was a hair within a hair of winning the uh, the Horizon League championship again. Yeah. And it's in the short time in uh, Northern Kentucky's short time in the Horizon League.
2: Well, it's going to be figuring out an identity because they're going to go in a different direction at point guard. Bryson Langdon, as opposed to exercising an extra year of eligibility, decided to go pro. And at five feet nine, that wasn't Darren Horn's ideal point guard guy. And he, you know, no offense, but it seemed like he did everything he could to run Langdon off by giving his job away to a freshman in Sam Vincent, and then it eventually came to the point where Langdon forced Darren Horn's hand into putting him back in the lineup because he was so good at leading the team at the point guard position. But, um, you know, you got Xavier Rhodes coming in. He is, I don't think he's a graduate transfer because he's listed as a red shirt senior. And, you know, with all the COVID going on, if there's an SID listening to this, there's one column, and I think Purdue Fort Wayne does do this, and they're probably the only one in the whole country, as opposed to what class you're in, please tell us how many years remaining of eligibility you have, because in this, that's more important right now, because you really don't know unless you go to a compliance officer who probably won't tell you because they think that you're going to, you know, reveal government secrets. How long do you have a guy when you bring him in? You know, and I'm assuming Xavier Rhodes is, is got one year left of eligibility. He's played four years of college basketball. Um, you know, he he played at Florida Southern, a high level Division two that has made you know Link Darner coach there a few years back to a national championship. And of course, they they make regular elite eight appearances. And then he was on a national championship team at Northwest Missouri, another D2 school before that as a freshman. He is a ve- he's a veteran point guard at six foot one, which gives you better size than what you had out of Bryson Langdon. He should be able to run the show once he learns the system. But what that does is, is that takes Sam Vincent off the ball because as much as Darren Horn wanted a six-five point guard in sam vincent it was pretty obvious and it may be because he was a freshman that he was more comfortable playing off the ball and once langdon came back into the lineup as the starter at the point that's you know one of the things that you know kind of got northern kentucky off the schneid last year because they really struggled in in the pre-conference and up until january 1st where you know they lost an embarrassing game against milwaukee where you know they gave up an 18 point lead in the second half. And then they were hit with COVID right after that and were off for about 10 days. Once they came back out of that COVID pause and they readjusted the lineup because part of that too was Adrian Nelson had COVID and he could not return back immediately. And it kind of changed things. It expanded the role of Chris Brandon to where he wasn't sharing that spot with Adrian anymore. And essentially, Adrian lost his minutes as a result of that and then eventually decided to transfer out of the program because he probably saw the writing on the wall that not only was Brandon going to take over that spot, but another guy who was red shirting last year, a guy named Emmanuel Zorgbal. Uh, They call him I-Man, and that's a guy – He's super athletic, but he is super raw. He uh, redshirted last year as a freshman, but I'm sure a lot of guys, if they were paying attention during warmups, couldn't help but notice him. He's 6'11, seven foot tall, just gets off the floor as a leaper faster than any guy I've seen in my years at Northern Kentucky. But he's very raw, and he's going to probably take that Adrian Nelson role. So, those, you know, the post player, even though Brandon's a veteran, not only to college basketball, but to the program. Him being in a new role where it's his for sure and with roads coming in and then just having everybody else kind of fall into their original places and, and how cohesive that will be will be the key thing for Northern Kentucky. Because in a perfect world, you got Sam Vincent at the two, your two wings are Mark Westwork and Trey Faulkner. Trayvon Faulkner coming back for, you know, a fifth season as a super senior graduate whatever you call it in this day and age, plus Trey Robinson coming off the bench as a lockdown defender and, um, you know, a, a sharpshooter and Hubie Pervorius as a role player coming off the bench with with a specific role, you don't have to rush any freshmen that, that doesn't have experience. You can kind of work them into the mix slowly as Northern Kentucky does have three freshmen that uh, are not expected to have big roles, but it'll be interesting to see how much they'll see the floor here in the early going. So it's really just kind of, uh, for me, you know, figuring out your identity with a brand new point guard who happens to have the size that you wanted plus he's a veteran presence even though he's learning a completely new system
0: all right right so neil speaking of guys coming back obviously you know you have Jalen moore coming back you have uh give you know trey townsend coming back then you bring in rocket watts you bring in keaton hervey lauren bullman these new guys Um, And we've heard talk, we've heard Greg Campy talk about size being an issue this year. Uh, When you look at that, uh, when you look at that lineup coming in, it's, it's, it it speeds, it speaks to me, speed, basically. Um, What do you think on top of the, is aside from the size, is there, what do you think is going to be kind of the biggest strength that they're going to have besides that speed they're going to have now?
3: Uh, It's going to be rocket watts. This is. You know, and you guys have heard me talk about this when we come on and we do this podcast every year. It always seems like I have a guy, right? Like we had this conversation about Kendrick Nunn uh, before. And it's it's one of those things where Rocket obviously was playing well at Michigan State. He was a Big Ten All-Freshman. Uh, roles changed a little bit, so things changed. Went to Mississippi State, didn't work out for him there. He still shot it somewhat decently at times. Um, but this is a fit here at Oakland because he's, this is going to be the guy, right? Like he's not going to be horizon league first team in the preseason. I get that, but he will be when it's over. Just trust me on this guys, because what people don't understand that do the voting and things like that, this is, this is a usage based game and rocket Watts will shoot the ball. Maybe more than anybody in the horizon league next year. And the, and the points and his scoring will be off the charts in terms of the horizon league. And, and there's, you know, just speaking real with you guys, you know, for, for rocket, you know, he knows the score right now when, when you're coming into this situation at Oakland, there's a reason he went to Oakland because guys are going to the NBA, you know, Jamal Kane just, uh, Woj tweeted out today, Jamal Kane just had a two-year deal or a two-way deal, uh, with the heat. So, you know, him, Kendrick, Nunn, et cetera. He wants to go to the NBA and, in order to do that, you have to put up numbers. That's just the way that it is. So he's gonna have the green light. And obviously he's gonna be playing with arguably the best point guard in the horizon league in Jalen Moore. And you, know, that's, you can look at the numbers and, and say that. And remember too, those numbers that Jalen Moore has been putting up, those were at a reduced pace for Oakland. That will change this year. I'm, I'm willing to bet. And when, when, I think when you put the analytics of everything together, You'll probably see this Oakland team, 75, 80 possessions. This will be a, this will be more like the traditional Oakland teams of the past because, as you brought it up, speed is, is what they're going to do, and they're going to look to go. And, re, yeah, rebound, Coach Campy has said this privately, publicly. He'll tell you this at media day. He'll tell you this on interviews rebounding the basketball is going to be a concern. So, you know, rocket rocket Watts may be the, the highest impact guy, but that's partially because Jalen Moore has is, is been very, very steady and you know what you're going to get. And what really stunk about last year was we saw how good that Oakland team last year could be when they won that tournament down in Florida against some pretty good mid-major competition. Remember they beat Vermont and stuff like that down there. It wasn't a, uh, it wasn't just hanging out on the beach and drinking pina coladas, you know, like they they played they played some good some good teams and they beat him and Jalen unfortunately wasn't healthy the final. Final once the New Year calendar flipped, he pretty much wasn't healthy and you know now Jalen Moore stays healthy. You have Jalen Moore and rocket Watts show me a, show me a better backcourt like we can sit down and have the discussion and uh, that that's a very, very good backcourt needless to say. Uh, Trey Townsend becomes a very pivotal, very pivotal player because you you have to you have to be able to rebound the basketball at some point because you're not just going to shoot 40 percent from three every night. And uh, at at some point you have to rebound the basketball. That's the concern. If anything, I I can't tell you how it's going to end up, but it's going to be hella fun to watch. I know that like and and this is, like I said, more of a traditional type Oakland team. And uh, there are a lot of fun. There are going to be a lot of possessions. There are going to be a lot of points.
6: Neil, I'll just like jump you read into, my uh, to say oh, right,
3: quick. Yeah,
6: definitely taking note of that, because I remember on this call last year, Neil was really hyping up Jamal Kane And, you know, knowing the, the pedigree that he had, I wasn't doubting it. But at the same time, we hadn't seen Jamal Kane play a game in the Horizon League yet. But, yeah, that, Neil was 100% on the money there. And, yeah, the news this morning that he's now in a two-way deal with the Heat. Uh, really impressive and great for the league.
3: Yeah, no doubt, and that's and that's something too. Where th- those are the two things you have to do, right? As a mid-major league, you got to put guys in the league. You got to win games in the tournament at some point. And it, it, like, let's you know, let's not play around. That that's that's what the goal is. And you know, we were we, we were talking about some of the other teams in the league, and, and we were talking about Fort Wayne, and you know how there comes a point where you got to take the next step. And that's that. That's what the fans care about, man. Like things have changed, and as college basketballs changed, I think fans' perspective of it has changed. And you know, we could we could go into the the psychology of it and why it's like that. But we're a big event society now, and you know social media and and all that kind of stuff. The team you root for, you want them in the tournament because that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing, and and that's really what matters. So, you know, that's uh that's something where. You know, Oakland, Fort Wayne, all those teams. You know, they want to get back there, no doubt. I was just going to say,
1: Neil, it's almost like you read my preview, which you haven't been able to, because it comes out this week. And uh, you you and I have watched a lot of Oakland basketball in our time. And if if nothing else this year, this team's going to be entertaining because we've seen this style of
3: Oakland basketball before. No, it it is too. And there's and there's a great schedule too. There's a great home schedule. I I think as far as non-conference road trips, all they have this year, we go to Syracuse. We go to Boise and we have a tournament in the Bahamas over Thanksgiving. And, and that's it as far as trips. You know, I'm talking like get on the plane and, and go trips. There, there's a week, and I don't know what the situation is going to end up being with Amani Bates, but there's a week in the season where Oakland hosts Oklahoma State at the arena, I believe, on a Sunday. And then Thursday, Eastern Michigan's coming in. And like I said, hope, you know, hopefully Imani Bates is, is, is playing or that all gets sorted out. But I mean that's that's big time. So that's a lot of fun too. That we'll have that kind of home schedule because let's be real. Also, you know, as, as far as the Horizon League has worked, we haven't had marquee home games for Horizon League teams to play. And and there's a lot of factors that and there are a lot of reasons for that. But uh, and we all know what they are. We talk about them all the time. But sure. it's it's big. It's big when you can get this, and Oakland's got it. So at a at a baseline at a bare minimum. Yeah, Matt, it's going to be fun. Speaking of fun, Dan,
0: uh, obviously with uh, big news, Antoine Davis is coming back um, to Detroit Mercy. Looks like this is going to be the year he's probably going to ultimately shatter the all-time Horizon League scoring record. Maybe I'm knocking on the door of a lot of different, uh, at least top 10 of uh, the NCAA what I find interesting, though, and this is and and this is kind of in reference to the fact that uh, I saw the article that came out of the Athletic uh, from the, with the Athletic earlier uh, earlier in the week. Apparently, we're the only one people paying attention to him. I don't understand that one.
4: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think when it that comes. to – <laughs> you know what? And I think that's the way they want it. I don't think they want people paying attention to them yet. But it is truly amazing to get him back for a fifth year. I mean, how many times do we see talent, play, talented players and exceptional athletes and, 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 and record breakers? How many times do we see those guys leave this conference? Too many times. And to see somebody decide to stick with the program. And I know his father's the head coach, so obviously there's a built-in advantage. But, I mean, look, guys don't put their name in the transfer portal. 99.9% of the time, they're leaving. They're not coming back. So this idea, I mean, not every school has a has a father as the head coach. So, you know, you understand why that is. But it's more than that. But, you know, we're talking about a player now who's going to play his fifth season at the same University. And that's just that just doesn't happen in today's landscape. And and talking to Antoine, you know, I asked him, I said, okay. So, you know, there were other schools. I think BYU was in there. I think he talked with Kentucky, Maryland, Kansas State. They were all very, very much after Antoine. And and I said, you know, what was it that made you decide to come back? What was the biggest reason? And he just said, Hey, look, you know, Twitter is a is a dark place, man. And when people start talking and you're, you're taking pictures in one jersey, then the other fan base that that's, has their team recruiting you, then, then those guys get upset. And there's just a lot of vitriol there. And he said the one thing that happened with Detroit Mercy was when I put my name in that portal, everybody supported it everybody encouraged me to look around. Nobody was upset. It was it would have been real easy for everybody to get angry with the fact that I put my name in. And never once did anybody ever give me a hard time, give me pushback. They let me go out there, they let me look around. In today's day and age, you have to allow that process to take place. You know, (laughs) it's like they say in relationships, right? If it's meant to be, it'll come back. But, you know, if you love something, set it free. If it comes back to you, it was meant to be, right? So, but the funny thing is, is that Antoine's one of, I think, two players that had meaningful minutes last year who's on the roster this season. And when I first got to know Mike Davis and the coaching staff, one of the things that they said was, you know, in a perfect world, The way we're designing this roster is as follows. We're taking players who played very little minutes at power five programs who have the background of being a big time high school recruit. And we're going to take those players and we're going to work with those guys. We're going to find out what makes them tick. And up until this year. I felt like they really couldn't execute that plan as well as they wanted to, for one reason or another. I think being banned from the postseason a couple of years ago had something to do with it. I think the first season, Mike Davis and his staff got in really late. But the last couple of years, I think they've had momentum in that area. So uh, it's been encouraging, but it hasn't been, I think, to exactly what they've wanted. This year, I feel like they actually have what they want. And I think they're also kind of been struggling to find guys to buy into the concept. I think buying into what they're trying to do and how they want to build this thing. And you look at some of the guys that they brought in this year, and I mean, you don't have to look very hard. I mean, we're all talking about former four and five-star recruits, guys who played in Power Five conferences. Antoine Davis has always carried so much of the burden by himself. He actually has some ball handlers in the backcourt that can help him out a little bit. I mean, it is a miracle that he has not suffered some type of a significant injury given just how much the ball is simply in his hands. I mean, it just shouldn't happen. I mean, I think the guys missed like two games in four years, so I'll knock on wood here. But, I mean, there's a couple of other guys that that they brought in. Jared Liddell was a former five-star he played three seasons at Texas. Last year was at Alabama State, wanted to go to an HBCU. And he then got to know Mike Davis and wanted to come there. But Jared Liddell, he's he's a big time ad for them. I think they're really excited about him. TJ Moss, uh, he was at South Carolina for a couple of seasons to played like 55 games for the Cox. He was a former four star. So, you know, and there's a lot more that kind of fit that profile as well, but obviously we all know who drives the car. It's the guy who's probably going to be the preseason player of the year, the guy who was a co-player of the year last year alongside Jamal Cain. And that's Antoine Davis. But, you know, it's the last year of the contract for Mike Davis and and his staff. So it'll be interesting to see how things look as we go into the years ahead. But obviously this year, I think they got exactly what they wanted.
0: That's All right. right. So I would be remiss if I did not include, obviously, Greg, Greg Straw and Straw uh, and Chris Collins into the conversation. Gentlemen, uh, thank you. both As with everybody else, thank you both for joining us. Um, love your work. Appreciate you guys coming in.
7: You got it, bud. Hey, thank you very much. Appreciate it.
0: Now, Chris, uh, you—I wanted to ask you first because you had the opportunity to once again ask, uh, call a championship for Wright State. Uh, this time, a little, probably a little closer than than most of them. Uh, really, that, with that really exciting finals in Indy, uh, does it get old?
7: It never gets old, and uh, that was one of the better games that I've had the opportunity to broadcast. And there have been a few over the last 25 years that I've had the opportunity. Uh, to call Wright State basketball but I loved it up and down two teams that know each other very well and it came down to a final shot uh it was great it was it was wonderful for Wright State they was they were able to go into the NCAA tournament and get their first NCAA tournament win of program history
0: and uh yeah so the other thing too um and and Greg obviously you were there as well being in Indianapolis (laughs) you were kind of the uh you were the MC for all the post-game press conferences and uh well, you actually had a little bit of a more unique situation in in IUPUI, which had a dwindling roster throughout the season. Uh, I know it was, it, it was really not hard to keep up with the roster names because they were all basically the same five or six guys near the end of the year.
8: Yeah, thankfully for the last game, we didn't have a sponsor for bench points. We didn't have a bench. <laughs> uh, since five guys played uh, against Oakland and I thought those kids, Played their hearts out, and I thought because that was a competitive game until the end, and acquitted themselves in tremendous fashion. And that was the thing that you hated for last year because we knew when the season started, this was an under-talented group. Uh, when Zach Gunn got hurt in October, uh and let's not you know uh, you know let's not confuse things. If Zach had played, this is maybe a ten-win team. Um, but but if with, without him, who had been an experienced scorer at Ball State, you kind of knew points were going to be hard to come by. Um, we guarded the heck out of people, but yeah. we couldn't score enough points to be able to, to stay in a lot of games or, or, or be competitive. So, um, you know, last year is kind of like that season at Dallas. Chris will get that reference. You might be too young for it. The one that didn't happen, um, yeah. at, at, at three and 27. Um, but, but it's, it's a crop of, of new faces, just a couple of kids yeah. that are back from last year's team. And, and do I think this is an IUPUI team that'll be atop the league this year? No. But do I think this is an IUPUI team that will be a lot more competitive and could potentially win a conference tournament game? Yes, I think that's a possibility for Matt Crenshaw's team.
0: And and Matt Crenshaw is not messing around this year because he's played he got like a bunch of on top of all of his scholarship players, he got a bunch of walk-ons. Right. Clearly under no circumstances is he going with five guys again.
8: Correct. And and, and let me walk people through kind of what happened, so We really started the season with like 11 guys because there were a couple of walk-ons that we simply weren't going to play um, just with the idea of, hey, they were going to be able to play elsewhere to be kind of a redshirt year for them, et cetera. So we had 11 guys uh, at the start of the year, and in mid-December, the injury started. Heck, we lost a guy with a season-ending foot injury during warm-ups. That was kind of a sign as to what was going to come. We actually got to January 31st and we're down to six. We remarkably played an entire month with six guys. And it wasn't until the last game against Green Bay where Bakari Lestrap turned his ankle in the first few minutes. And we were down to five for the rest of that game. I'm amazed we played with six for as long as we did and got away with it. But to your point, I believe there are 15 or 16 names on the roster. There are many more walk-ons this year. (laughs) If needed, uh, there will be a taxi squad just in case a problem pops up this season for Matt Crenshaw's team.
0: That's a taxi squad. Now that's a that that's a unique concept. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if I'm Matt Crenshaw, I'm not tenth to fade next year.
8: Right. No, you're you're uh, there, there might be 25 guys in the roster next year. So, <laughs> uh,
0: so Chris, obviously, uh, the big the big thing with uh, right state is that. Uh, Grant Basile is transferred, and Tanner Holden is transferred. Now, normally that would be a source of concern, uh, but that's, uh, that is coming also on the heels of that. Uh, Amari Davis, who spent uh, the last couple years in Missouri, and then Blake Sisley are coming in. Plus, and I keep saying this, I, I'm, I know Scott Nagy has a couple of big guys we don't know about that are just going to crop up and do stuff. I just
7: know it. I know this is going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. I think at first when both of those uh, two talented players left, Tanner going to Ohio State and, uh, and of course, uh, Grant Vassili going to Virginia Tech, uh, you know there was some worry. Uh, but uh, the coaching staff, uh, they say that these two uh, talented players fell right into their lap. The Raiders were very fortunate to get this guard from Missouri. Horizon League fans very familiar with Amari Davis. He began his career yeah. at Green Bay. Now, he is a kid locally from Trotwood Madison High School uh, here in the area, and some of the coaching staff at Wright State uh, has a, a history with him. Uh, and, uh, and, and Travis Trice is the one I'm speaking of, the assistant coach. So uh, Wright State was very fortunate to get him. Blake Sisley, he's a kid that I know Greg's a, a really familiar with. Uh, he's a kid out of Evansville, Indiana. The Raiders actually uh, were recruiting him heavily uh, when he was coming out of high school However, uh, he decided to stay home local at Evansville, but there was a coaching change. And uh, he uh, had contacts with Wright State coaches, and he decided to uh, come to Wright State. And I know Scott Nagy is really excited about having him a part of this Raiders team. Now, from what I understand, he's an outstanding offensive player. And that leads me into really the question mark going into this season. This is going to be a bit different Raider team. They don't have the rim protector that they've had in the past with Loudon Love and Grant Facilli. Uh, They've got some big guys in there, and you talked about it earlier. You know, who's going to be the guy who's going to step up? Here's the guy to keep an eye on. Maybe not early in the season, but this kid has tremendous talent. His name is Brandon Knoll. Uh, he's a redshirt sophomore. He's from Chillicothe. He's not played in two years, but he's a young man. Uh, he's about 6'8", about 235 pounds, but he is extremely quick on his feet. He has a lot of mannerisms, and please, you know, dare. He kind of reminds me a little bit, but let's give him a little time, uh, of a former Butler player in Matt Howard. <laughs> he's, that kind of, he's, he's that kind of kid. Uh, he's got that kind of ability, but we'll see if that transpires.
8: But I'll jump in here as well to talk about Blake, just knowing him the yep. way that I do. So Blake's yep. dad, Matt, played at Southeast Missouri yep. back in the mid '90s. His younger brother, Trent, is, is a high oh. major recruit and is yep. one of the top sophomores or juniors in the in in the Midwest at this point, if not okay. the country. Uh, Blake was an Indiana All Star a couple of years ago, and that was in a year. Where there were guys that were that were going to major college programs right. that didn't make the All Star team, um, and and Clint Sargent knows this state very well. Yep. Obviously, Travis Trice, being from Princeton, having played at Purdue and Butler, um, yep. you know, no, no, knows this state very well. Um, and and so the Wright State has planted a recruiting flag in Indiana for kind of specific <laughs> kids that fit that what they want to do. Obviously, Welch yep. being a Greensburg yep. kid that's yep. back as a rotational yep. piece. And Chris's assessment on Sicily is spot on. Offensively, he has as talented as Grant Basile. Even though he's kind of equal from a size standpoint, he's not the physical presence Mm -hmm. that Grant was that clearly, because there's few guys in all levels of college basketball, that are as physical as Loudon Love was in terms of playing for the Raiders. He's a great find, but it does change what the interior looks like for the Raiders a little bit.
7: Yeah, absolutely. I don't have the rim protector, but uh, they're going to rotate a lot of guys, you know, in and out. Another guy I want to mention, he may not see a lot of time early on, but he has a tremendous talent as an all-state player, Drake Carter. Uh, He has a long wing, a big wingspan, about six foot eight. He plays guard. Uh, He has got an enormous amount of talent. But as you well know, with Coach Nagy and his history, you know, they can develop players, he, along with Clint Sargent, Travis Trice, Dan Beret, you know, the staff. That's one thing that they're well known for, and that's developing players and they're patient with them. But I want to throw another name out there. Uh, Alex Hubricks. Uh, he did not play most of last year, was injured. Uh, I don't think he played after the Purdue game early last year. Uh, he had some back issues, but he is back 100 percent. And he is an outstanding three point shooter. He's a kid who can come off the bench, you know, and drain a few threes and kind of extend the, the defense a little bit. So I think this is going to be a deeper team, although in the past, Coach uh, Nagy's history is that he doesn't play more than seven, no more than eight guys. But he he may be forced to because uh, he's got a lot of talent sitting there and you want to be able to use it. I didn't mention A.J. Braun. He was a kid who played as a freshman last year. Uh, He was originally scheduled to be redshirted, but he'll continue to develop at uh, the five position for this team. And uh, don't be surprised, a young man, Andy Neff, uh, who came back for a fifth year. He was just awarded a scholarship. He's been a walk-on player. Uh, the coaches think highly of him and uh, the amount of minutes he'll be able to get. Not many, uh, but he'll probably see a lot of action this year.
0: The funny thing about Andy Neff, and I think everybody remembers when uh, you did that, that uh, stretch, that road stretch between uh, with uh, Robert Morris and Youngstown, Youngstown. State, we, saw a lot of, we did see a lot of Andy Neff because everybody else was sick, including Scott <laughs>
7: Yeah. Yeah. They weren't there. Uh, that really basically only had five or six players. And I, I know, Greg, you're not going to feel sorry for us because that's <laughs> something you guys had to put up with all year. Uh, but that was an interesting stretch. They could have won both games, but uh, Youngstown was a little bit too much. Uh, however, um, yeah, um, Andy, a- Andy had been bumping with uh, Loud and Love and Grant the Silly for years. You know, so, you know, he he's earned his right now to get, you know, a scholarship and he's just a great kid. And I don't know if anybody had an opportunity. You can see it at the Wright State Basketball website, you know, uh, how it was awarded by Coach Nagy uh, and, and uh, surprising him at practice, uh, you know, not too long ago, uh, earlier this week, actually. Uh, and it was a very emotional moment. And it's the first time I've ever seen Coach Negi show any emotion. I mean, uh, at all like that. So it shows you how much he really believes in this kid.
0: Oh, yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we, uh, we actually retweeted that. So, yeah, that's yeah, okay. we were, we're that. That was that was a great moment. Um, uh, Greg, uh, I wanted to. Ask, I, we talked a little bit about Zach Gunn. He's obviously back yeah. this year. Is there anybody in particular uh, from IUPUI that we should be looking out for? I know we've heard a little bit. I know we've heard about uh, the the San Diego transfer Bryce Monroe. Yep. Um, and so uh, I I'm kind of looking forward to seeing the Gerard twins personally.
8: Yep. And, that, and, and, and let me start with with the Gerrard twins. Um, and, again, I, I referenced Blake Sisley being an Indiana All-Star two years ago. Um, Ahmad Gerrard was an Indiana All-Star this past year. And, again, for people that don't get the reference, the Indiana-Kentucky All-Star Series, the equivalent would be Ohio versus Pennsylvania in football, the Big 33 game. And, like, there is a guy that has played the National Football League from that game, like 50-something years running. Um, Indiana-Kentucky is very similar in terms of the basketball rivalry. On the guys' side for high school basketball, it's been dominated by Indiana as of late. But if you look at at those rosters, I mean, let's face it, from the game that Sisley played in two years ago, uh, or I guess one year ago at this point, uh, Blake Wesley's already in the league that played at Notre Dame for a year last year. So if you make the top 13, 14 players in the state of Indiana, you're good and Ahmad Gerard was, was that type of guy. And so he comes in as a difference maker uh, immediately. Yeah. What you see from IUPUI this year is length and athleticism at the wing position. The guy that I think Horizon League fans will soon learn about is John Ekbuda. He is a young man from the Bronx. He played in uh, the Kyle Guy Pro-Am locally. <laughs> uh, and Kyle, of course, is the former point guard. Uh, Virginia, when they won the national championship, who is from Indianapolis, is now playing in Spain. Kyle put together a, a pro-am this year, and former NBA players played in it, current NBA players played in it, guys that play overseas. Um, and, and in the championship game, John more than held his own in a game where of the 15 players that played in the game, 14 of them were either going to play Division One basketball, had played Division One basketball, or we're playing professional basketball at that point. So um, he also happened to win the dunk contest for that league this year too. So Buddha is a guy that can fly. Another guy is Vincent Brady, who's a local product from Cathedral High School in Indianapolis that originally went to Air Force. He has been transferred home to play at IUPUI. Um, and so you're going to see a lot more length and, and athleticism at the wing position. That's the biggest difference in this IUPUI team what you saw from a year ago.
0: Um, one last thing before we go, uh, I wanted to ask both of you guys, obviously the uh, announcement was made that the horizon league tournament is going to be back in Indianapolis until 2026. Um, so given that obviously Greg, you're local and Chris, the uh, Indianapolis is in close proximity to right state. Um, where, where do you, uh, where do you see this uh, the, specifically this, uh, uh, the championship in Indianapolis uh, growing in terms of, uh, you know, how and how the Horizon League is, uh, you know, progressing.
7: Yeah, Greg, go ahead first since uh, you're the homestander.
8: So hey, I, I'm literally doing this interview from my backyard. Um, if I got <laughs> to my roof, I could see the Coliseum from where I live. Uh, I'm, I'm about 20 blocks away. Uh, and so I am sort of partial uh, to it being played here. I, have I, feeling. Like, I, I, I I like events that are in my backyard, um, but, but from a, from a locale standpoint, obviously it is the perfect center of the league um, knowing that the longest trips in the horizon league would be from green Bay or for Robert Morris. You know, we had a phenomenal crowd for, for both championship games yep. with IUPUI's women playing in the afternoon But with NKU and Wright State, who, let's face it, are the two best programs from top to bottom in terms of talent, in terms of coaching, in terms of fan support, in terms of venue. But also because of their proximity to Indianapolis, we had a phenomenal crowd um, at the game last year. The venue, which seats basically 6,500, is perfect in terms of being able to easily fill it. Uh, You know, you know, from a standpoint, so as long as you are going to go the neutral court route with this tournament and the league has kind of bounced back and forth from neutral court to home court advantage over, say, the last 20 years from a neutral court standpoint, this is the absolute perfect location.
7: Well, I I agree, Indianapolis, and uh, also it's home to me in regard to that's where I was born. And, uh, you know, I'm familiar with the area. I think that there's only one drawback is the fact that the location, I think it's for a lot of people have to get used to it. You know, it's not easily accessible, you know, right from the highway. But uh, I don't think that really matters, to be honest, You, in my opinion. I think if you follow a team, you'll make the effort, you know, to go that extra mile, so to speak, to be able to be there. But I think the biggest draw for me is, and you mentioned it, Greg, is the fact that when you can pack that place, you know, and what's at stake, and that's a ticket to the NCAA tournament, I think was fantastic. That was one of the best atmospheres that I experienced last year. And I know a lot of Raider fans continue to talk about it because of the outcome of that game over in Northern Kentucky.
8: And to any and all horizon league fans uh, on Twitter at Greg Greg Rakestraw, if you need directions, if you need a, (laughs) if you need places to go, if you need fat guy recommendations for food, I'm here for you. Who's (laughs) your hospitality is real. I will help everybody out to enjoy their 48 to 72 hours in the circle city. I wish I'd known
0: that
8: earlier. Sorry. I got lost. By the way, to
0: your point, Chris, I got lost twice going to the arena last time. Twice. You got lost twice.
7: I got lost twice. oh my. Okay. That's
8: twice too many, buddy. I'll help you out. We're we're good.
7: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I figured
0: it out after the last
7: time. I'm just throwing it out there. You know, from what I've heard. You know, but again, when it gets down to it, you know, you're going to go anywhere you have to go if your team has a chance to get to the NCAA tournament.
0: All right. All right. Well, th- again, thank you guys. And thanks to everybody for, uh, for once again, another awesome media forum. Uh, so I think we're doing next week, we're doing post preview week. So that's going to be back to back with me, John, and, and Matt. So until yes. then, horizonroundtable.com. That's where our content and prior past episodes are. You, um, you can find us wherever podcasts are found. And of course, you can pull us up on your Amazon or Google devices. So tune in next week. You definitely don't want to miss that. Until then, thank you all for listening.